VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. A funny thing happened today as I was walking towards my couch. <laughs> um, there has been a last-minute scheduling change, in case you've been looking at the uh, Voice America website and expecting to hear Mark Victor Hansen. Uh, there was a last-minute scheduling snafu, and he will be on Dr. Carol's Couch at a future time. However, in the meantime, the universe, in its uh, secret ways, <laughs> have led me to another guest um, that actually um, is a colleague, so to speak, of Mark Victor Hansen and walks the same or similar walk. And I want to say something about that because, um, you know, I've been thinking the secret, of course, uh, I did a show regarding that and, and um, you know, now it has been on Oprah and uh, the world is, is getting to know a little bit more about that. And um, I, I probably will be bringing you more guests along those lines. I've been thinking, as you know, I recently wrote a book, Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted. And I've been thinking about, I always, every day I think about how terrorism is affecting our world. And I've been thinking today about how um, terrorism has been polarizing our world. On the one hand, it's making some people get increasingly nasty, and on the other hand, it's making other people get increasingly spiritual. There seems to be a dichotomy, a move towards uh, people taking out their fear and pain and, and anger at what's happening to our world um, into tra- channeling that, transferring, transforming that into being nasty towards one another. What made me think about that was... Um, these websites uh, like YouTube and, and an even worse one um, uh, that I won't even mention at this time, but, you, you know, the kind of nastiness that gets, that gets so-called communicated on these sites, um, even things, you know, girls beating up girls. I, I mean, there's just a whole plethora. I could, could spend the show making a list of how we've become increasingly nasty, and I think it is largely out of fear and and uh, sadness and and rage actually at how our world is changing and we're sort of directing we don't know where to direct this rage we feel helpless and it gets directed into the wrong places so i think it's really important to think about that and to be on the other side of the dichotomy the more spiritual side uh, and certainly the secret is is um you know a, a recent and and particularly meaningful example of that Well, today we're also going to be going to the spiritual side as we talk about overcoming barriers to a rich life. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about enriching your life with relationships, with love, with abundance in all different ways. And my guest today, Dr. Paul McGuire, who is a self-made success story and who calls himself a serial entrepreneur, will reveal the secrets that worked for him and will work for you. 
And the idea is how to find the courage within yourself to take action, not just to uh, sit back and read or listen to how-to um, stories, but to actually, like today, but he will actually teach you how to then, um, when you stop listening, to actually take action. So welcome to the show, Dr. Paul McGuire. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You know, I, I have to ask you, as a serial entrepreneur, like a serial monogamist? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest thing is that, you know, once you learn those, those tools that can make you successful in a business and you create interest in other things, you, you want to do, you want to do this and you want to do that and you want to do this because there's so many fun things to do and it's just fun to get in all these different things, especially when you, uh, when you're successful at them. Yes. Well, let's start back. Before we get into these tools for success, you, you know that um, I put everybody on my couch, on Dr. Carroll's couch. So let's start. I know that you, about your childhood, that you grew up the youngest of eight children in San Francisco. Um, but, and of course, that in itself uh, <laughs> brings a lot of psychodynamics, um, depending upon the family. So tell us more about, about your parents and about what that was like. Well, it was, it was very interesting because my father was the um, was the head chief over at the uh, Naval Air Station Alameda, and he was uh, the production superintendent. He had over four thousand people that worked for him that he was in charge of in terms of production. Wait, in um, terms of production of what? Uh, it was a naval rework facility, so all the Navy flew the jets into the Alameda Naval Air Station, and they created all these systems to you know re- rework jets. And my mother, of course, having eight children, was home, um, you know, being driven crazy by, by one or all of us at some particular time. And the thing that gave me a great perspective was being the youngest of eight, I got to observe the obvious. I got to see what the other children or my siblings did that worked and what they did that didn't work. And it really helped me, I think, in life to shorten the learning curve because I had seven examples ahead of me that I got to watch. Yes. And how how much older was the seventh child than you? Okay. My, the, my, I was, when I was born, my oldest sister was 18, so she's now 61, and then... Um, and I'm 43, so she's 18 years older than me. But, I mean, what was the child just before you? Oh, um, my sister was five years older than me. Yeah, I was, a, I, was an, I was an extra. I showed up. It was an accident, I guess, they call it. Or <laughs> surprise. Uh-huh. Winter surprise. <laughs> that was me. Okay. And how many girls and how many boys were there? We had, uh, I had three sisters and uh, four brothers. And um, and then we had our uh, our auntie Joe next door. So when things got too crazy, we would go over there, and she would help my mom. It was it was, it was quite a dynamic there. Okay. And so okay, so what take us into your mind as you were growing up, watching these older siblings make their mistakes or be successful? What were some of the things that were going through your mind? Well, you know, I always watched you know what they got acknowledged for, and I noticed that when. My brothers and sisters did well in school, that they got acknowledged for that, and it was made a big deal about it. Um, I noticed that there was, a, there was a certain amount of expectation in the household for taking time to study, that you couldn't watch TV until you did this or that. And I also noticed that the things that they did, they got in trouble for. Um, and I noticed that 
pretty often the things they got in trouble for were trying to do things that basically they knew they shouldn't have been doing in the first place. In other words, it wasn't like it was some surprise. Mm. It was like they violated their own code of ethics, their own morals, and, and that would be the thing that would generally get them in the most trouble. And so, you know, just in watching these children, um, you know, as a child grow up, I said, well, you know, I want to... I want to get the acknowledgement. I like I like to feel good. I like to be happy. But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get beat up. So maybe this whole idea of, you know, towing the line. Maybe my parents got something right here of, of studying and and learning and education. And that's really the thing that I got out of my childhood was like, you know, studying, learning, education. That's pretty good. And the other thing that happened that really turned the worm for me in terms of financial was my brother and sister bought this home. And they made two years later like thirty thousand dollars on it, which at the time was more than my brother-in-law made working an entire year. And I thought, well, that's pretty successful. I want to mm-hmm. do that. So the things that I saw my kid, my brothers and sisters do that was successful were were the things that I emulated and tried to do them as well. You know, it's interesting that you said that you saw what we, you were watching to see what they got acknowledged for because in a family of eight where you're all sort of clamoring for mommy and daddy's attention you, you, that acknowledgement is very important right certainly was and you know still today i think all of us want to be acknowledged no matter what we right. do and people say you know why do people quit their jobs and it's not for the money generally the biggest reason is for lack of acknowledgement and recognition and I think that carries through to adulthood and you you know more about it than me but you would probably agree yes so okay so how did you so then what happened how did you um you you first studied to be a chiropractor where did where did that come from why did that attract you well very interesting my my um, my godmother, I was, I was never good at getting out of bed early, uh, so my godmother would pick me up and bring me to school because she was the librarian at the school where I went. And I would often go into the library to hang out with her, and a very interesting thing happened in the library. I got curious, and I started grabbing books and reading about things I had knew nothing about and never been experienced and never learned about. And that carried on until one day I read this book about chiropractic, and I thought, well, this is interesting. So I just went out and met some different chiropractors and ended up going to a chiropractor, and he started talking to me about being a chiropractor and being a health care, and you've got to have some hat in life. You've got to do something, and, and away I went. And the thing that really made me decide for sure was when I went to the clinic and I saw other people doing what I wanted to do. And I realized, hey, if this person can do it, I can do it. What you mean, saw other people being chiropractors? Yes, yes, because, you know, whenever any of us go out and you look at somebody doing something, you there's always people that are a little goofy, and you, you think, well, this guy's kind of goofy, but he's he's successful. So as goofy as he is, I'm not as goofy as that person. <laughs> I should be able to be successful too, right? <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> it's kind of that comparison, you know. Well, if this person can make it, for sure I can make yes, it. Yes, you know? yes, we all do that. That's <laughs> true. So when did you get, so you went to college and you became a chiropractor. Right. I graduated chiropractic school at the young age of 23 and, um, and of course, went out and, and the, made the mistake of trying to start out on my own. Wasn't too successful. 
um, and went and worked with somebody uh, who was a mentor so I could learn the business. And I mm. think that's a big key for people is to have a good mentor in whatever you're trying to do so that you can have somebody that you can see how something's done. It works really, really well. And so I did that, and that gave me an opportunity to you know, then go into my own business and subsequently had seven different offices in the Bay Area at different times. Um, you know, we treated thousands of patients and it was just, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, and, and what about people who say, well, yes, it's a great idea to have a good mentor, but I'm afraid to ask or I, or why would somebody want to mentor me? You know, that's a great question because, uh, you know, I, I, my experience has been that a lot of people that are successful, and, and certainly some of the people that are very successful, often are, have climbed the mountaintop, have been successful, and will put their hand down and want other people to come up. Now, I, I got a, I got a ride from uh, where a city where I was, and this young man from Tanzania gave me a ride. Okay, he's 32 years old. He grew up in a village, no running water, the whole thing. Came to America for the dream. Okay. He's had Magic Johnson in his car. He's had me in his car. He's had the 212 degree guy in his car and a number of other people. And you know, the, and, and the one thing he said in common was that all of us are trying to help him and convince him to do better in his life, to, to have goals, to step up and achieve those things he came here to achieve. And I said, you know, I think that's the thing that really is the, a trait about successful people is they want to help people and you should ask because most people don't they never ask they're afraid to ask yes absolutely well um, so was that so how how long did you work as a chiropractor I worked for about 15 years as a chiropractor and um, like a lot of people I had a very um, well that's music but <laughs> we just if you could just wrap it up and then we'll it doesn't mean you have to totally stop. Just oh, kind yeah, of wrap no problem. I just, um, sorry, but basically, um, yeah, I practiced for 15 years as a chiropractor, and um, I retired at 39 from practice. Yes, and uh, my guest, um, when he retired, he had become a millionaire by 29, a multimillionaire by 33, and a decamillionaire by age 40. So we'll come back and talk more with Dr. Paul McGuire. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The Internet's premier talk radio station, voiceamerica.com. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. 
What does it take to get your business online? How do you leverage the Internet to attract more clients, expand your network, and make more money? What are the tools you need to master? It's not enough to know the tools. You need to build a solid foundation and actually implement systems that automate your business as much as possible. On Blogging and Beyond with Denise Wakeman and Patsy Krakoff, the Blog Squad, learn about new tools that are easy and essential to use in order to grow your business online. Get strategies, tactics, and tips that work if you implement them. Denise and Patsy interview internet marketing experts, plus coach a client in real time through the steps designed to market a real product or service. Blogging and Beyond with Denise Wakeman and Patsy Krakoff broadcasts each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Blogging and Beyond, leverage the internet to attract, sell, and profit online. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today with my guest, Dr. Paul McGuire, about overcoming barriers to a rich Life, And, of course, we have him on the couch and uh, are uh, analyzing how he got to the success that he has reached. Um, and during the break, I was, I was still not quite getting this chiropractor thing because, you know, t- talking about reading a book about being a chiropractor, I'm sure you um, read books about, about lots of other things. And I, I think there was a little story you left out there, so why don't you tell us? Well, when I, when I, you know, I was interested in holistic health. I tried to become a vegetarian when I was 11. My parents huh. were crazy. And, uh, my brother was into this stuff. And Well, now he, wait a second. Do, why was that? I mean, I know you were living in San Francisco, but, um, was someone, had any of your siblings or your parents had any illness? No, no, no. My, um, I actually grew up in the East Bay across in the San Francisco Bay area, but, um, my brother went to college and he got into health and wellness just because he was around people who influenced him in that way. Yeah. And him and I were real tight. Um, I see. And we ended up, I, you know, he got into it, so I got into it, and, you know, I'm, I think I'm the only kid I know that, like, taught reflexology at 15 in my high school, like mm-hmm. how to do reflexology on a person's foot, right? Mm-hmm. So I was surrounded by people that were into that wellness. And it was also, you know, that time of, you know, the late 70s and, you know, people were into, like, health and wellness and alternatives. So this Berkeley Holistic Health Handbook had this uh, idea of, you know, about chiropractic. And so I just wanted to try to see what it was like. And that's when I met this very eccentric chiropractor who, 
you know, I was literally at his office for four hours, and here I was, you know, 17, and, you know, with bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and he's like, hey, you know, you need to do something in life. What are you going to do? And, you know, I realized, you know, from being around him that he was very excited. His enthusiasm was infectious. And I got enthusiastic because he was so enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. And what he was talking about made sense to me. And it was healthy and it was alternative and I could help people. And I love that. So that's where, you know, I ended up becoming a chiropractor. Okay. And then um, you were starting to say that before, um, actually before you retired from being a chiropractor at 38, in 1995 when you were 33 you had a car accident and that was a life-changing moment. Yeah, I was really. I had. Three, I was running three offices at the time. I was seeing about 250 patient visits a week, working in two of them, and I had an associate running the third. And I was working six and a half days a week. And I just hired somebody, and I was going to go on, on vacation to Club Med the next day. I was all enthused, and somebody lost control of their car and ran into me, and I was injured in a car accident that kept me from being able to physically adjust patients and mentally mm. able to run my business because I had a mild concussion that affected my memory and my ability to work. I was very tired. If anybody's ever hit their head, you know you get really yeah. tired and stuff afterwards. So um, so as a result of that, I ended up having to sell a couple of my offices and went through, uh, you know, from a cash flow perspective, some tough times. And it was because of that, you know, that whole scenario that I had to learn to let go because I was like a lot of people I was a control freak in my business I wanted to run everything and I learned that in order to grow you got to let go and I had to let people do stuff not my way but a way as long as it got the result and that was a very big lesson for me, but it was in retrospect, and a lot of times you look at things that happen to you and think, boy, it's a good thing that happened to me. That was the beginning of me expanding in all these different businesses because I learned to delegate and allow people to help me and give them opportunities that they wouldn't have had otherwise. And so that that situation really began to change my whole perspective on, on working and, and business and how to get things done. Where before, you know, there's only so much time in a day, and I was trying to do it all, and you know, I just couldn't couldn't really do it all. Hmm. Yes, that's a that's a um, that was was a very dramatic moment. I mean, six and a half days and running around, it, it the universe told you to stop. <laughs> yeah, it certainly. It definitely put on the brakes. Yes. <laughs> Um, I was contemplating that as I was hearing the siren racing down the freeway to the emergency room. I'm like, why am I here? Huh. <laughs> well, and then you found out, and then and then that's how you then found your your next career, which was not only to um, to become more successful yourself, but to help other people uh, become more successful. So tell us about that. Well, it was it was interesting because while I was a chiropractor, I, um, you know, at, at one point I, I met this guy who was a garbage man, and he was from Berkeley, and he was a millionaire, and I was a doctor, and I was broke. This was like <laughs> around I was twenty six years old, twenty seven, and I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense to me. I got you know one hundred fifty thousand dollars in student loans, or you know, uh, actually I spent one hundred fifty thousand dollars for school, and I and I went to you know learn all these things, and I'm a doctor, and all this stuff, 
and this guy's a garbage man, and he's a millionaire. You know what I mean? And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And we clicked. I mean, we hit it off. And he was a mentor for me, and he showed me a little bit about how to do real estate and stuff. And so then I ended up doing, you know, I bought over 150 properties. And uh, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> In how long? I bought about 150 properties between about 1995 and probably today. Yeah. So, but okay, but like, how did you start out? I started out one house at a time. I, <laughs> I call it the cockroach house. I bought this house. It was all beat up, full of dead cockroaches, boarded <laughs> up for forty three thousand five hundred at thirteen thirty one eighty eighth Avenue in Oakland, and I bought it for forty five thousand. I sold it for eighty thousand after I fixed it up, and away I went. And that well, was the beginning of it for me, you know. And and the way that you were able to do that was through the personal mentoring of this garbage man? Exactly, because he made me overcome my fear. I mean, what stops most people? Fear or they don't really know what to do. And right. he showed me what to do because we did this house together right before that. And it, and he showed me, hey, this is not that complicated, you know. And then I realized, you know what, it's not that complicated. And the biggest thing that he helped me overcome was my own fear of investing in something I didn't know. And as I began to understand it, I began to develop certainty about what I could do and how it's done. And definitely I didn't know everything, and I certainly made mistakes along the way. But with each time I did it, it became easier and easier to where pretty soon it was like it was, it was pretty simple. I pretty much had a system now. And how do you spend your days now? I mean, obviously, so that was from so from age 33 to 38. I mean, you retired from being a chiropractor because because what you were? I mean, you obviously didn't need the money, but um, right, I, but, I didn't need the money. But also, it was more of a it was more of a deal where I was um, I had other interests and my you know I just I really wasn't active in the practices anymore in terms of adjusting I was more of a of a management mm-hmm. oversight deal and I wanted to do other things rather than be in the office I was really busy with the real estate that was doing well for me and I had I really I've always loved teaching when I first got out of school I taught and I've always loved helping people I've always loved teaching it's really my truest passion but like my niece will tell you you know she works in a school and and she makes barely enough money to pay her bills and live a a, a life of you know some decency because the income in a typical teaching scenario is so poor so so I began to help others who looked at me and wanted to say, hey, how did you become so successful? He came from a blue collar, you know, he went to the same school. I did, you know, what did you do different? And and that's where I began to share with others success uh, of the secret society or success secrets or, or those things that a lot of people tend to either not be aware of or, or never taught or seem to be, not able to find and and that's when I you know I really started learning how important it was to help others come up because as you help others come up it helps you too yes um, which is another one of the secrets <laughs> absolutely <laughs> how that happens um, when we come back let's start talking about some of that I mean I guess that you originally did it in sort of a, a casual um, way teaching others but then you that then you eventually 
started giving seminars and developing seminars, creating seminars, and, and teaching larger groups. Yeah, it was correct? really really a lot of fun. And, and, you know, the seminars I've done, people have just really been responsive and really happy by, for me to put all this stuff on paper and show it to them. So, yeah, we could talk about that. It's going to be great. Okay. And we will when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. My guest today is Dr. Paul McGuire. He is a self-made success story, serial entrepreneur, and uh, we'll talk more about some of his secrets to his success when we come back. The Internet's premier talk radio station, VoiceAmerica.com. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood jet set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Muscular Development presents Noble Radio, bringing you the latest news, gossip, and controversy from the world of bodybuilding. Uncensored, uncompromised, and unrestrained in true MD style. Hosted by the infamous muscle mob, Larry Pepe, John Romano, and Dave Palumbo. Welcome top IFBB professional bodybuilders, industry insiders, and characters you won't find anywhere else every week. Noble Radio broadcasts each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. If you've ever wondered what the Stern Show would sound like if Howard was a bodybuilding fan, then tune in and find out. Noble Radio, uncensored, uncompromised, unrestrained. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Getterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today with my guest, Dr. Paul McGuire, and uh, he is—he has a lot of different credits. He's—he uh, became a millionaire by 29, a multimillionaire by 33, and a decamillionaire by age 40. And what's what's particularly nice. <laughs> About him and and uh, you, I've actually been noticing that the people who are actually successful, not just in money, but you know in other areas of their life as well, um, do have and in fact credit some of their success 
to their philosophy of giving back and being generous. And yeah. you were just talking about that, how, how that's your passion to teach people to, to do what you did or to find the success in themselves. Yeah, you know, I was, when I was 19 years old, I walked into a used bookstore and I bought a book by Zig Ziglar, a uh, very famous speaker and success mentor. And, and I'd never heard of Zig Ziglar in my life. But the book title was called See You at the Top. And I'd never heard of this book, but it sounded like something I would. I definitely wanted to be at the top. I mean, I knew I didn't want to be at the bottom, <laughs> right? So I knew. I said, "Well, that's me. I want to be at the you top." You know, that's interesting. <laughs> that they're going back to the being the last of eight children. Yeah, I was done being the bottom. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I read. You know, I, I this book. The front cover said, "The book that gives you a checkup." From the neck up to eliminate stinking thinking and avoid hardening of the attitudes, the world's most deadly disease. Don't miss page 15. So I go to page 15. It says, the end. I said, perhaps, and then it says, perhaps an unusual way to start a book, but we believe this is a very unusual book. We believe this is the end of of negativity, of mediocrity, of all these things that have become the norm for Mr. and Mrs. Uh, normal or in America, and then it said, "Welcome to the richer life." And I read that, and I w- I read that book in probably like fifty two hours. I don't even think I slept for two days. I went through the whole book, and it was the first book I ever read in my life. It was the first time somebody told me, and I really got it, that I can determine my own destiny, no matter where I came from, no matter what happened to me, no matter whether I got beat up in school or made fun of for being fat or my brothers and sisters or this or that or whatever happened, I could change my life. And I never knew that. And that, you know, and it almost makes me cry to think about it because it was like such an important message. And here I bought this book for seven ninety five in a used bookstore that changed my life for sure. Mm. And Zig Ziglar said, he said, I never met a millionaire, never, that didn't listen to audio cassette tapes in his car. Never met one. Mm. They all used their car to listen to tapes. So what I do, I bought tapes. First tape I buy, I get from a girl I'm dating. It's called The Official Guide to Success by Tom Hopkins. So I listen to them, and he's telling me, hey, you know what? You can set goals. You can do this. You can do that. And you should have a blueprint for your life. I said, a blueprint for my life, I'm thinking. He says, well, you can't build a home without a blueprint. You can't build a building without a blueprint. How can you build a life? Hmm. And I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense to me. So this is the first person I ever met in my life that actually was talking about having, not, I've heard goals, but not goals from like, what's your goal when you're 75 and you're like 19? <laughs> what do you want to be when you're 80? I'm like, wait a minute, what do I want to be when I'm 80? I can't get back next week. <laughs> so those are some of the things that really, they just really changed my mind and molded my mind. And, you know, and when I talked about my godmother in the library, it was that, it was that curiosity, you know, it was that, that spark of interest in learning that can really change your life. Because, you know, learning is a lifetime experience. And when you get that curiosity, you get that thirst for knowledge, and you read, and you go to seminars, and you learn things, it, it literally can, can change your destiny. Well, you know, when we were talking beforehand about, um, about some of the things that you believe in, um, you were talking about how people go to seminars, and of course not yours, but other seminars, where um, they hear about all these plans. I mean, even the books that you're, even what you're just talking about, the, the tapes and, and books, 
Um, like lots, I'm sure there are people who read those books mm-hmm. or who went to various seminars and who thought, yes, this is very interesting, but who felt that it was beyond them for one reason or another. Like they didn't have, you know, they were afraid. They didn't think they had the energy to do it. They thought that this person was talking to somebody else, not them. Um, what, what, how do you get beyond, or even I guess in your seminars, maybe you talk about this, how the people can go from hearing these interesting things to actually taking action and doing it for themselves. Yeah, I, I really do because, you know, I think the, I think the, you know, a lot of times we have to just consciously decide that we're going to take control of our own life. Between, you know, the cell phone interrupting the conversation with your spouse or your child or the TV or the Internet and people just coming into your office when you're working with no appointment and, you know, it's just you have to decide consciously, you know what, I'm going to make my life different than the norm and I'm going to be productive and I'm going to decide that I want to do these things. I'm going to write them down. I'm going to make them a priority. I'm going to make them a target. When I was a chiropractor, um, people made appointments. Generally, they didn't miss them. Why? Because they had an appointment. If I'm fat and I want to lose weight, which I'm, you know, I'm probably normal, but I I worked out with a trainer. I hired a trainer. And why did I hire a trainer? Because I had to keep my appointment. I had to keep my commitment. I'm not going to just make an appointment with this person and they're going to be there at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday morning and I'm not going to show up. That's rude. I would never do that to me. I wouldn't want somebody doing that to me. But if I didn't have an appointment, chances are 50-50 that I'm not going to be in the gym at 9 o'clock in the morning. But when I have an appointment, chances are 80-20 or 90-10 that I'm going to show up. And so what I've talked to people a lot about is developing a system of accountability to, if you can't get yourself to do it, then get somebody that will help you do it. Now, who are those somebodies? Those somebodies are out there. They're coaches. They're personal trainers. They're um there are people who are, you know, even people like in your business, you know, that where people come in and say, Here, here's two things I'd like you to work on in your marriage, or here's two things I'd like you to work on in your life. And the next time we meet, I want, I'd like to see you have these things. Well, they're either going to cancel because they didn't do it, or they did it and they're going to show up to tell you to get the recognition and acknowledgement that they want that, hey, I did it. Right. So... And in, in working with people, the main thing I find is that people are, are, are mostly what they do is worry, and they worry about problems they're not sure how to solve. And worrying is kind of like, you know, sitting in a rocking chair, right? It's something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. If you really want to get somewhere, you have to take action. You have to actually do something. And what I've found, and it's very common, when people actually start to do something, they don't worry as much because they're too busy doing something. Mm-hmm. And I and I even got to the point where I realized that most people in the morning are very active and very pleasant. At nighttime, they're less active and much more unpleasant. In fact, I got to the point where certain people I won't even <laughs> talk to them after seven at night because they're just cranky. <laughs> but up until one or two. They're in a great mood. So that's when I call them. And in terms of action, I say, well, I'm going to commit this time from, you know, 8 or 9 in the morning until 12. I'm, that's going to be my time 
of where I work on those things that are important. And I'm not going to be interrupted. And you know where I learned that from is I went into a loan office one time, and, I, and we needed to do something with the underwriter in order to fund the loan. And the loan officer said to me, oh, you can't bother the underwriters. I go, what do you mean? They're right there in that room. I can see her through the glass. And she said, no, no, no. No, no, no. You can't go in there. This is their work time. They cannot be disturbed no matter what. Uh-huh. And that's the way they get loans done from 8 until 12. You can't talk to an underwriter. Well, yes, actually, that's that's why my favorite time of the day is, you know, getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning because uh, you have at least between 5 and 9 where it's less likely that the phone is going to ring. See, and that's my favorite time, too, because I'm sleeping and dreaming about my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, dreams are important, too, yes. <laughs> no, but, you know, it is true that, even though we have so many things in our life that are supposed to be saving us time, somehow we don't seem to have more time than, than we used to have because there are also time wasters. Like you mentioned, um, the Internet or email. I mean, that is one of the biggest time sappers um, as far as, you know, we have to always... You have the sound on, so you hear when you get a new each new email, and you have to you just have to go and see what that is because it could be crucially important. Absolutely. And, and those kinds of things distract you, you know, from from whatever you're doing, from from being more creative, and and uh, and really, for the most part, unless you're expecting something urgent, it really, you know, you can set limits like looking at it once an hour or once a half an hour or. Well, once every three hours, whatever. But, but oh, and, and yes, talking about limits, here's the music. <laughs> right. We need to limit this segment. But we will be, get, be back. My guest okay. today is Dr. Paul McGuire. We're talking about how to be successful. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The Authority and Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Live in the Green Life with Kim Carlson, echopreneur, author, and green living maven, brings you an upbeat, fun exploration of the doables of living a more earth-friendly life. Kim cuts through the noise and urban myth of green do's and don'ts and shows that it is possible to live green easily, from hip organic weddings to exotic echo travel to healthy personal care products. Get the most current trends and tips from the experts for living a more planet-friendly and human lifestyle. Live in the Green Life with Kim Carlson, broadcast each Thursday at noon pacific 3 p.m eastern on the voice america channel living the green life for a human healthy and planet-friendly lifestyle whether by choice or by circumstance the statistics of the effects of missing fathers and the impact on our children our neighborhoods and our communities is staggering how can we interrupt this pattern of violence gang activity drug use and sexual activity among our fatherless children on Changing a Generation with author, inspirational speaker, life coach and host Terrence Wilson the focus is on elevating the mindset of this current generation by unveiling viewpoints that inspire people to reach for their dreams Terrence and his guests reveal how building family relationships becoming an entrepreneur and living a Christian life develops future leaders in the next generation of children 
Changing a Generation, with Terrence Wilson, broadcast each Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Changing a Generation, bringing a message of deliverance to the fatherless on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Muscular Development presents Noble Radio, bringing you the latest news, gossip, and controversy from the world of bodybuilding. Uncensored, uncompromised, and unrestrained in true MD style. Hosted by the infamous muscle mob, Larry Pepe, John Romano, and Dave Palumbo. Welcome top IFBB professional bodybuilders, industry insiders, and characters you won't find anywhere else every week. Noble Radio broadcasts each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. If you've ever wondered what the Stern Show would sound like if Howard was a bodybuilding fan, then tune in and find out. Noble Radio, uncensored, uncompromised, unrestrained. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about overcoming barriers to a rich life. And a rich life isn't just one with financial success, but also with interpersonal success. And we've been hearing about that from Dr. Paul McGuire. So you wanted to uh, say something about, I was talking about wasting time before the break. Yeah, you know, a lot of people need to, you know, they forget that time equals life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, time wasted is wasting life. And so I even have one friend that actually uh, figured out, you know, if I slept eight hours a day and I um, and I had to do the things I have to do in life, like eat and go to the bathroom and take a shower and all those things, I took so many hours out for that. And how many hours do I have left in my life if I'm going to live to be the average age of, say, 78 as a man? And I'm, you know, 40 now. Okay, i got 38 years left. Or if I'm going to live the average age of a woman of, say, 82, and I'm, you know, 50 now, i got 32 years left. Well, by the start backing it out, you realize, you know, i got 16 years left mm-hmm. where I'm awake. Mm-hmm. And so I want to utilize those in the best way I can. So sometimes we forget, you know, when we're spending five hours on the Internet or five hours in front of the TV. Mm-hmm. Time is life, and it's important to not get into that realm of someday I'm going to because your someday's here. I meet people that haven't taken a vacation in seven years. Well, you know, someday I'm going to go. Well, someday comes, and guess what? you got gout. Yeah. You've got a knee problem. You know, your back hurts. you got this or that, and you, your heart's bad, and you want to go, and you don't even really want to go anywhere because you don't feel good. So you know, I think it's important to enjoy your life, not just chase money or, or, or other goals, 
whatever those are, but also make sure you recreate and, and enjoy life. Yes, absolutely. So get that in there. But absolutely. That's <laughs> um, yes, actually, I, I spent the past uh, well for a while, over about a year um, finishing up my book. My my late, latest book, the terrorism book, and I hadn't taken a vacation in in over a year because I had been working uh, writing that. And uh, this past holiday, I decided you know, every year. Well, I, in the past, I, I go on these horseback riding vacations, right. um, cross country horseback riding vacations, and I hadn't done. I had said to myself I was going to do one every year, and that hadn't happened. And so I just put everything aside and did it, and it makes such a difference. You wipe Doesn't the cobwebs it? from your mind. You, you come it? back with a totally, you know, more creative, fresh perspective, and fresh perspective. And it was worth um, whatever time you take away, and you think, "Oh, I can't be away from this or away from that." It's always worth it. Absolutely. So now you want to, One of the things you talk about that you're an expert on is communication. Right. So what about that? What well, makes you an expert on communication? I think the thing with communication that a lot of us have to realize is that. You know, often we think we're communicating and we're not. In order for there to be communication, there first has to be with the person you're communicating with, you have to have their attention. And, you know, if they're sitting there playing a video game and they're your child and you're talking to them, you realize you don't have their attention. What a lot of people do is raise their voice to get their attention, right? Uh-huh. But it, you have to get the person's attention. And then when you communicate with them, you actually have to make sure that when you tell them something that they understand and duplicate what you said and acknowledge it. And too often we, you know, I think I've seen this. You know, I talk to doctors and their staff, and sometimes I talk to spouses and people in marriage situations. And where the blow-ups occur, where the arguments go crazy, is when they stop acknowledging each other and what they're saying. And just by saying, okay, I got what you're saying, you don't have to agree with it, but at least acknowledge it. You know, I, I think you do this, 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 and I don't like this, this, this. Okay, I understand you're upset about that. Now, let me tell you why, you know, I do that or whatever. But in other words, too often we think we're communicating and we're not, and I think it's real important to listen and communicate. I read one study that says the average parent talks to their child in actual live communication seven to ten minutes a day. Well, if you're talking to them seven to ten minutes, who's talking to them the rest yeah, of the time? The, the video games and the television set. Absolutely. So I think that, you know, whether it's your family, your spouse, your friends, relationships, uh, you know, they either flourish or they die. And they die now, why? Go, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but they die because they're neglected or people are not communicating in their relationships. Now, how does this tie into what else you were talking about in terms of, of striving for success? I mean, it seems like there's a particular uh, uh, story or a particular experience or experiences that you had with that. Absolutely. It's it's when you are working with others, um, you have to be willing to listen and even listen to things you don't agree with without interrupting and to acknowledge what somebody says because it's their reality, it's their viewpoint. And even if you disagree with their viewpoint, if you don't acknowledge it and just go right into why you think they should have another viewpoint, they're going to go into defending their viewpoint. And it's pretty difficult to be successful and have successful relations around you. And believe me, when you want to be successful and you want to go to the next level, you need to be able to have people help you. You need to be able to work with people and you need to be able to delegate. And in doing that, you need to be able to communicate with people 
and actually communicate with them and listen to their viewpoint and acknowledge it rather than telling them they're wrong and putting them into this defensive mode of I'm right, you're wrong, I'm right. Well, you know what? It's that right-wrong argument never wins anyway because everybody's a little right and everybody's a little wrong. But the point is just acknowledging people and acknowledging what they say and listening to what they say and then making sure that you understand each other and you have their attention is so important in duplication uh, and in communication that uh, without it, it's very difficult to be successful. It's really a fundamental, it's a basic, it's a keystone to being successful in your relationships in your life. Because let's face it, relationships and life is life is about relationships. Well, now, some, that sort of reminds me of what we were talking about at the beginning in terms of you being the youngest of eight children. What um, I would imagine that financially you're the most successful of your siblings. Yes. And what do you think um, made you different in that regard? I mean, looking at them now from sort of the midpoint or, you know, depending upon what perspective or what level, what what measure you want to use, um, you know, how would you how would you compare yourself now with them? Well, I love all my brothers and sisters, and they're all great people, and they all have their own successes, and they've all done well in other ways that maybe I haven't done as well in. But the one thing that I, I do notice is that is that I never let go of that basic value of always learning. And, you know, the most successful people, um, they are continuing to search out, you know, Understanding. There's really three phases of success and that people really go through. And I think the first phase is the actual learning, like what do I do and how do I do it? You know, um, how do I tie my shoe? Somebody's got to show you. You know, you don't just figure it out on your own. Um, and the next, and in and the theory and study, you actually have to study, uh, you know, success books, success tapes, success people, and see what they've done. You know, um, you know, everybody I've met is successful has read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I mean, it's just everybody's read it. Um, Og Mandino, you know, all these different people who are who are who teach that type of stuff. Mark Victor Hansen's books of, you know, where he talks about. Success. I met Mark Victor Hansen in the chiropractic seminar before Chicken mm. Soup ever existed. Mm. So I think there's the theory and the study, and 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 that thing, things like goal setting, um, and then and then there's the next phase of applying it, you know, and doing it to a successful outcome, and then of course there's um, you know getting targets and achieving and meeting deadlines, and then finally there's after application there's of course the mastering where you actually become you know a master and teach others. And when you could teach something, you really master it. So Well, and that's what you've been doing for us today. And I thank you, Dr. Paul McGuire. Thanks. Um, why don't you give out your email address where people can reach you if they have further questions? Or... Sure. If they'd like to reach me, you can reach me at McGuire Office at sbcglobal.net. That's M-A-G-U-I-R-E, Office, O-F-F-I-C-E, at sbcglobal.net. McGuire Office at sbcglobal.net. Thank you so much for having me today. It's been a lot of fun. Well, you're very welcome. Yes, it has. And uh, I appreciate your bringing your your uh, your story, which actually is a great illustration in itself of how to overcome barriers to a rich life. So thank you very much, Dr. Well, Paul McGuire. Thanks for those kind words. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.